Section 12 of Stories Without Tears. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. Stories Without Tears by Barry Payne. Section 12 sunny brow or what the practical builder said to the young man wish you was me young man do you you young chaps who make a mess at one trade always think you could have succeeded at any other if you think that building houses and letting them and keeping them let is as easy as falling downstairs you're mistaken it needs knowledge and it needs hard work i've worked hard and i've got the knowledge there's nobody can tell me anything about mortar i don't know didn't know i ever used any thank you i don't want any jokes of that kind i'm a respectable tradesman with a reputation which i study yes and when you've done the work and got the knowledge you may make losses through not having forecast the unforeseeable that's what happened to me with that blackguard purbright and my row of little houses at dirtsea I'll just tell you about that, and then you'll see it ain't all velvet in my trade. Dirtsey will be a fine place one of these days. It only wants a little enterprise on the part of the local inhabitants. You can't make a first-grade seaside resort out of nothing. I got my bit of ground there on favorable terms. There was a big land sale, and free lunch in the marquee on the estate, as per advertisement. I sat and ate my lunch and then I sat and looked on at the auction and said nothing. There's mostly a mug at these sales, and I was watching for one. I found him. He was a mug that had bitten off more than he could chew. Just after lunch, some people feel richer than they are. So I had a little chat with him afterwards, and made myself as pleasant as I could. I told him he'd have given too much for his land, and he'd never see his money back, nor half of it. Land at Dirtsey was no more use than a sick headache to most people. However, when a gentleman was buying for himself, that was different from a commercial speculation. He said he was afraid he'd bought more than he intended, and he had meant to put up houses there. He had bought speculatively, in fact. So I gave him my card, with a few appropriate remarks. There were other builders there, chaps that were just simply on the make, and I gave him a friendly warning of what he might expect if he fell into their hands and i said as a proof that i'm straight with you i advise you to take what you can get for your land and cut the loss even though it loses me the job of building for you i could see they were running you up at the auction and i only wish i could have gotten near enough to you to have given you a hint then he thanked me two months later i brought most of his land or what i should call a reasonable reduction and that wasn't all I got the job of putting up a house for him on the bid he kept, and even after I compromised the auction, it left the profit, so that was all right. Then I ran up my row of six houses, and called them Carlton Terrace. Did you ever hear a song, Once in the dear, dead days beyond recall? Carlton Terrace of Dirtsey always reminds me of that. Yes, my boy, those were the times. Nowadays, over-inspection is simply cutting into the heart of the trade. But at Dirtsey, 
then there was absolutely nothing that a practical builder couldn't get round somehow and i did get round i wasn't forced to throw a lot of money away over silly regulations my idea was to let those houses for three years and then paint them up a bit and fill in where necessary and sell the lot after three years knowing the houses i knew they'd be about ripe for getting rid of i wrote my own advertisement and i didn't leave anything out it said builder sacrifice on the outskirts of the lovely old world village of dirtsey and commanding magnificent views of the english channel compact seven-roomed residence tiled forecourt electric bells and every modern luxury only needs to be seen and so forth and so on i let my first tenant in pretty easy to give the thing a start and seeing the bargain he got i wasn't best pleased when he died of double pneumonia and his widow came complaining to me what do you mean i said i let your husband a house and let him have it cheap i never told him to move in before the plaster was dry you be thankful i'm not bringing an action for moral deterioration of my property so that settled her then another tenant got typhoid and complained about the plumber's work things had been a little cut down on that side but as i said to him you chaps nowadays expect a marble bath and silver fittings in a twenty-eight pound house and it can't be done well i sent a man to do a little to some of the leaky joints and that kept him quiet however by giving the thing my personal attention i soon got five out of my six houses to let to good tenants on yearly agreements and the agreements were drawn into my own model and i got more catches in them than any fly paper there was only sunny brow left and one unlucky day i let this to this man purbright he said he was a traveller for a firm of cycle manufacturers and he paid a quarter in advance he was a hard-faced man and i was a little surprised that he took my special kind of yearly agreement as easily as he did and he'd hardly moved his sticks in before the row began i got st mildred's and the chase both coming in and complaining about the man at sunnybrow st mildred's and the chase were the two houses adjoining sunnybrow and they were let to my prize tenants they made their garden look nice and they had window boxes and planted creepers didn't know i cared so much about flowers didn't you why i could let a dog kennel with the roof off and the bottom out if it only had a virginian creeper growing up the front they never gave any trouble and when the walls cracked they just filled up the cracks and repapered at their own expense and the chase had put up a little greenhouse that he wouldn't be able to take away with him when he went they complained that on tuesday night there had been a most awful noise at sunnybrow violent banging against the walls loud screaming and what the chase called demoniac laughter it was so bad that st mildred's went round to sunnybrow to see what was the matter but though he knocked and rang several times he could get no answer and the whole house seemed to be in darkness yet the noises went on worse than ever we put up with the cracks in the walls said the chase you've having told us that every new house was bound to settle if properly built but this is a case where we must really ask you to do something so i will i said i'll do pretty well anything in reason for good tenants like you and st mildred's i'll go round to sunnybrow this morning ill though i can spare the time and just remind him of the terms of his agreement if he causes you the slightest trouble or inconvenience then out he goes and i meant it too underpinning cost a deal 
but it wouldn't cost me anything to frighten Purbright. Both St. Mildred's and the Chase paid punctually, and were a much softer thing than one generally comes across in business. Then again, I didn't like that talk of violent banging against the walls. You see, I knew those walls. They were all right for the ordinary wear and tear of a Christian home, but they'd never been constructed to stand horseplay. I slipped on my coat and hat, and went round to Sunnybrow at once. Purbright answered the door himself. Come in, he said. This is lucky. I was just going to see you about that waste pipe from the sink. What's wrong is, yes, I said, but I've got to talk about something much worse than that. I mean, what was going on in this house on the night of Tuesday last? I've had complaints about the noise from St. Mildred's and also from the chase. Tuesday night, he said. Why, I wasn't here then. I'm often away on my business. So you say, I said. Very naturally, but... Well, he said savagely, look at this letter and the postmarks on the envelope. I looked at it very carefully. It was a letter to him from his firm, dated on the Monday. It was addressed to an hotel in Liverpool, and the envelope bore Tuesday's postmark, and had not been readdressed, and the letter referred to business in Liverpool, which was to occupy him on the Wednesday, and I remembered that St. Mildred's had been unable to get any answer to a ring and had seen no light in the house. Still, I knew for a certainty that St. Mildred's and the Chase would not have complained without a reason, and his explanation might be satisfactory, so far as he personally was concerned. But, even if he had not made the row himself, he was the tenant, and responsible for the people who had made it. And so I told him. I don't care, I said, whether it was you that made the row, or whether it was your servant, or your friends, or your servant's friends. If I get any more of it, I'll turn you out. And if you think I can't do that, just glance over the clause at the bottom of page three of your agreement. I don't keep a servant, said Purbright. I manage for myself. I have never had any friends here. I was just getting the home ready to bring my wife to. I'm to be married in a month's time. Looks to me like a bit of a mystery. Well, I don't care what it looks like to you. You're responsible, and if it happens again, you know now what to expect. That's all I've got to say about it. Ah, said Purbright, then we can go on to the subject of that pipe. The waste pipe, as fixed at present, discharges direct into, I've no time to talk about that now. Before you ask a landlord to provide you, at his own expense, with extra luxuries and improvements, you better show yourself a more desirable tenant. Good morning. And I thought that was the end of it. Next day, I saw Purbright helping St. Mildred's to nail up a creeper, and chatting away as friendly as possible. And later in the week, I found he was having tea at the Chase, and St. Mildred's, and his wife were there too. So it looked as if everything was forgiven and forgotten, and all was peace and happiness again. Next Sunday... I met St. Mildred's and the Chase out for a walk together, and they came up to say they had been mistaken, and that Purbright was not responsible for the row on Tuesday night. As a matter of fact, said St. Mildred's, we've got to know him, and a very pleasant fellow he seems. We are satisfied that neither he nor anybody else was in Sunnybrow that night. Well, well, I said, we needn't go into that, so long as the row doesn't happen again. We can let bygones be bygones. But the row does go on, said the chase. It's worse than ever. 
the banging on the walls is louder and there is more of that screaming and demoniac laughter but it never happens when purbright's in the house never once in fact we've begun to look on him as a kind of safeguard we should feel very uneasy if he went altogether it looks to me said st mildred's like a case for the psychical society i suppose said the chase you didn't find anything curious when you were digging out the foundation or levelling the garden i found a patch of sand which i hadn't expected and if i'd found it a bit earlier it would have saved me money over building the other houses yes said the chase what i meant was did you find human remains or anything of that kind no i said i did not and i hope both of you gentlemen will put any idea of that kind out of your heads that sort of thing doesn't do house property any good and there can't be any foundation for it a house that was built the day before yesterday like sunnybrow can't be a haunted house it's against the rules ask any man who studied these things and he'll tell you that still said st mildred's there are the facts we've investigated those noises and we can't find anything to explain them then there's the figure of a woman in white that's been seen twice in the terrace late at night once by mr proudfoot of stanley court and once by mrs johnson of Nest. then there's the loud cracking noise at the pleasance mr smith has always put it down to the house settling so far but now he says he's not so sure about it now that made me pretty angry here was every blessed tenant bitten with this ghostly nonsense and i knew it was that blackguard pearlbright who'd done it a pretty business it would be for me if they all cleared out with the talk it would make in the neighborhood it would be a long time before i could let a house in carlton terrace again look here gentlemen i said this is simply and solely a trick of that purbright's now i'm going to do just two things first i'm going to find out how he worked the trick and then i'm going to give him the sack and if there's any ghostly manifestation after he's gone i'll eat my hat they told me i was mistaken in my estimate of purbright we'll see i said so next morning i hung about the terrace until i saw purbright leave his house i had my own private key to the front door of sunnybrow and as soon as purbright was out of sight i let myself in i examined the whole house from top to bottom and only one little thing did i find that looked at all suspicious and when i got outside the house again there was purbright standing in the garden hello he said what are you doing there landlord has reasonable access i said that be damned letting yourself in by your own key without notice ain't reasonable access it's more like burglary you'll find what i mean by reasonable access in clause forty-three of your agreement i thought mr purbright you told me you were living alone so i am well i found this hairpin in the passage very likely i had the whole family in from next door yesterday afternoon investigating these rum funny noises yes i said and i told you that if that disturbance was repeated you'd go it has been repeated today's monday you can clear yourself and your furniture out of this by next saturday morning at the latest thank you he said i should like to have that in writing if you wouldn't mind stepping inside once more so i gave him it in writing and he took it quite cheerfully right he said i shall be out by saturday and you'll hear from my solicitors in the course of the week 
next day i got notice from st mildred's and the chase and the day following i got similar notice from Hernest stanley court and the pleasants and that's the kind of thing that a man in my business may be called upon to face well i know when i'm beaten i went round to sunnybrow in the afternoon and this time i rang the bell good afternoon mr purbright i said i called to tell you not to take any notice of what i said and wrote on monday perhaps we both lost our tempers a little we'll just tear that paper up well said purbright i don't know that i care about stopping it'll be lonely with every other house in the row empty i fancy i said that if you and i had a friendly chat none of these houses would be empty and you'd all be spared the trouble and expense of moving it's possible he said come in now then i said if i could prove all i know i fancy the court would award me heavy damages very likely being awarded heavy damages is one thing getting pudding out of empty saucepans is another that thought had occurred to me well it has also occurred to me that a man who starts a thing can sometimes stop it whether it's a ghost story or anything else that is so if it's worth the man's while and so we came to terms but that man purbright was absolutely unconscionable he got a twenty-eight pound house for twenty pounds in an agreement that was against the landlord's interests and a whole lot of plumbing work done for nothing but it was better than having six houses standing empty and my tenants didn't leave after all must have had a confederate well i knew that of course as soon as it was all settled he said and my missus will move in to-morrow she's been living in lodgings in dertsey till i got the place straight for her she's been up here sometimes at nights and it's just occurred to me that she's about the figure of that mysterious woman in white that they've been talking about she's as handy with a hammer as any man opening crates and putting up pictures i couldn't stand the noise so she only did it when i was out she'd always got her gramophone to keep her company yes i said i see that but you told me you were a bachelor going to be married in a month's time did i he said well i never mind owning when i'm wrong i must have been thinking of some other man end of section twelve recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida